This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Had some hard times? Do you need a getaway? Do you hate your spouse? Are you looking for a forever freak? Well, this is Sonny Hollywood Pooney from Growing Up Rock Podcast, and you can escape from your island and listen to the Shout It Out Loudcast. Afterwards, you'll feel like King of the Mountain. up there kiss army tom and zeus with another episode of shout it out loud cast episode 70 paul stanley solo album Woo! album review time yeah this is a big one here uh paul stanley solo album review we love paul stanley we love album reviews so absolutely yeah this would be a good one yeah, still doing the quarantine thing. It looks like you're well shaven now. Um, good for you. Yeah, I was. I, I, the, the virus called my bluff. I'm like, I'm gonna grow. I'm gonna grow a beard for the virus. If I get two months later, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> shave this thing. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Doesn't it when it uh, underneath your neck and you're like, God damn it. Well, yeah, it was getting it was, it, it was getting itchy, and plus, I, I missed I missed my handsome face. I wanted yeah. to see my I like my face because you'd be itching your ass if you did, pal. That shit makes you itch. That shit makes you itch. Yeah, exactly. Yes. We are uh, got a good episode ahead, so I don't want to like procrastinate before we get to another three hour episode and people start complaining. Yeah, we don't want to uh, wait. We don't we don't want to waste time with jibber jabber. <laughs> Cut out the jibber jabber. Don't be babbling like a fool. Say what you got to say. That's all. Then shut your dang pie hole. <laughs> We've been accused of that before. Yeah, so um, what's going on in Kiss World? Uh, well, there's uh, some stuff going on with our buddy Gene right now. Um, so he's been very, very active on social media. Um, he's been active on m- mostly Twitter. But he's been getting into fights with people on Twitter about 
the the virus and about the mask. You know, he's getting into uh, arguments. You know, people are saying, you know, whether or not the veracity of if a mask works. And you know, Gene is like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't know you worked for the CDC." You know, like he's. It sounds like it's, it sounds like we hijacked his Twitter page. <laughs> sounds like a toxic Kiss fan, right? So, so he's getting into arguments with that, and then all of a sudden, the other day, today's today's Wednesday, April uh, uh, May sixth. Then he started getting into some like religious arguments about like the Bible and stuff. And I'm like, Gene, just just do you have any kiss news that we can talk about? Like settle down. And and then more Gene stuff that was just completely random. So this will drop on Saturday. So it will have already happened. So but we're, we're, we're talking about it now. Um, but Gene Simmons live and unmasked. Gene Simmons <laughs> from Kiss. <laughs> live and unmasked on Facebook Live with U.S. Ambassador Scott Brown, former Massachusetts senator. And the picture on Facebook is Scott Brown with a guitar, because we know he's, well, actually, we do, because we're from the area, so we know, we remember Scott Brown, and then Gene Simmons. So it's a Facebook Live. Again, by the time you hear our episode, you probably will have already seen it, but that just seems very interesting and very random. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Scott Brown was a former senator from Massachusetts. Uh, if you quite remember, Tom, I was on that panel for, yes. oh, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with what's his name there, uh, from Fox. Uh, what's his name there? Frank, Frank Lund. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I was on that panel the that. night that he got elected senator and it screwed up, uh, Obamacare yes. and he won Ted Kennedy's seat. Yep. And because he did, they had a panel on Fox News, and I was on that panel. I did so well because I was a Democrat, and I was quite critical. I didn't like Martha Coakley at the time, the lady who ran against him, and I was quite critical of Obamacare at the time. So they're like, ah, oh, a Democrat that doesn't like Democrat. Let's get him on Fox News. And uh, I ended up doing um, – it wasn't Fox in front. It was like Cavuto and somebody else's show. Yeah, uh, just talking about Obamacare. Yeah, do you remember that? And that, I that was all because I absolutely. Of Scott, it was all yep. Scott yep. Brown. I got the clip somewhere. Oh, that was like years ago. But anyways, I've been telling you that I've seen Scott Brown put up a lot of posts. Follow him on Facebook or or I think Twitter about hair metal, and he's like putting up all really? these faster puss. I send that to you, faster pussycat and all Britney Fox and he's a big fan and he's like I love this type of music hair metal as it's claimed he could have wow. came on our show when we do the live stream and debated this stuff but he's oh, a yeah, big yeah, yeah. in quotes hair metal fan so I knew he played his daughter I think I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correct Ayla Brown she's always on Fox singing like the national anthem she's a country type singer but she started uh, it with American Idol yeah, oh I don't I don't know she um yeah. she's a performer Yep. So she's into music. His wife used to do like the news. They're like a local celebrity family for us. Yeah. And then, you know, like all Republicans, you know, if you if you don't he lost, I think he tried to run for center in New Hampshire. And when he lost, I think he was yeah. Yeah. And when he lost, you know, because uh Trump won, he got an ambassadorship to New Zealand. So I think because he's a rock musician, the tie-in goes to Gene. I don't know how this ties in, and he's the ambassador to New Zealand. What the hell this has to do? And I, Gene got in the know. middle of it. But I don't know. supposedly him, Gene, and the prime minister will be talking. Yeah. 
I don't know if it'll be interesting, but Gene usually makes everything interesting. Yeah. And, and, one, and one more thing before we move on to more news, just, you know, I'm being like half joking, kind of half serious when I say this, but with, with the thing that Gene railing on Twitter about the masks and stuff, you know, I find this is just me being like a Kiss fan and, you know, a Gene Simmons guy like what a what an unbelievable coincidence for Gene that he's arguing about the need for masks when they just went on sale from kissonline.com with kiss masks. <laughs> but no, I, no, I supposedly know. I, all of that money goes to the crew. No, 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 I get that. It's just funny. It's like, you and need it, to wear a mask. And while we're at it, they're on sale at kissonline.com. No, that's just branding. You buy the I, kiss mask as you go online. Maybe you buy something else. But supposedly those sales, along with the T-shirts, which is a good thing, um, will go to the the touring, um, the crew and all that and support them. Because I did see one lady yes. go on there and try to challenge him. He's like, oh, yeah. look at you try to make money, you capitalist pig or something like that. I saw and that, he, too. And he turned it around on her and told her, basically, this is all going to charity. And he kind of demeaned her, as well he should. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah. The other oh, thing no. is... Yeah, I'm, only, I'm I'm joking when I say it, but there were people okay. you like you right. There, there were people like you said that are like really going after him. Yeah, they didn't understand it was for charity, right? Because yeah, well, you know what? He's earned that reputation that it's all about money. So right, right. Um. Anyway, he uh, also there was something about him and and then Paul as well, both talking about their uh, their mothers and their family about the concert escape in the concentration camps of Germany, Nazi Germany. And uh, both had some interesting comments on social media about it and talked about it and brought light to it. Um, we, we, you know, we've all heard the stories there. It's still fascinating, um, you know, their, their plight and how basically our favorite band and where they their humble beginnings and um, the unfortunate tragedy that's considered uh, the Holocaust. And that's with us. And they brought some light to it. I thought that was interesting and uh, yeah, they should absolutely. be commended. Yep. Nope. That yeah. was interesting. And I think, I think real quick before we, we don't want to spend too much time on that, but I think the information that I saw, it looked like Paul kind of like recently discovered this information that he almost did like an ancestry.com type of thing, or he had somebody kind of look into his lineage and it was almost like something like new to him. Whereas we knew Gene Simmons's mom, we knew that story from day one, but I feel like the story that I, that I read, it looked like it was, more kind of like newer information for Paul and his family. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about yeah. it. Um, okay. You know, we know his dad is a hundred years old and in good health. So maybe yep. got some more info from him. Yeah. Um, the last thing is uh, just going to add is the uh, Bruce and his lovely wife, Lisa, they're still putting out videos. Bruce is still keeping us entertained. Such a cool guy. We got much love and respect for him as, as do all kiss fans with Bruce. Yeah, and I think it, it it seems like Paul's videos, little sessions have kind of all but stopped. I haven't seen anything from him lately, so I don't know if he kind of ran out of steam or what, or if he just, I don't know, got bored or something. I don't know, but he doesn't seem to be doing them. Yeah, who, who knows what everyone else has got going on, but yeah, yeah. they kind of ran out. Yeah. Um, so we like to usually go back, talk about previous episodes. Uh Last week's episode was, um, I am going to tell you guys, our most listened to downloaded episode of all time. Um, I cannot believe it. Uh, I didn't know. 
what where this love came from and i don't think we advertised it anymore we didn't have any special guest on any like any it was the love for this movie detroit rock city i had no idea i don't know if you did tom but most downloads most everything we got off of this episode yeah and that's awesome and thank you so much to everybody out there i i I think more people listen to us talk about the movie than there were people who saw the movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but no you're right i look we say this all the time kiss fans are just passionate so this detroit rock city movie is just love hate as heard from last week's review episode (laughs) and holy shit that i get some feedback I'll take a look. I'll, I'll read you some of the comments we got off of Facebook first from the episode. Our good friend Kevin Jepson writes, fucking love this movie. You can't think about this movie. You need to just enjoy it. I know I enjoyed it, as did the two other people in the theater with me. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Oh, man. Of course, David Zanet always puts photos up. We love hey, David. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, and then I've got Lemmy Blackmore. I'm new to the podcast, and I think it's great. Had to jump ahead and listen to this one, though. I was an extra in the concert scene. Wow. Very cool to see the Love Gun stage set a, set a night after seeing the Psycho Circus show. All four were great. Signed a pile of stuff between takes, and I was able to get all but Peter to sign a Gold Alive Award. I should scan the pics in. Wasn't easy back then. But I grabbed a few. That's a great story, Lemmy. That is awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Yep. And he did put up the photos. Um, and there's some great stuff. If you guys go to our Facebook page, yep. um, and it's under the um, the episode uh, that we put up of Detroit Rock City, you can see some of the pictures that he put up. They're fantastic. There's three or four of them. Uh, nice. Actually, I take it back, five or six. Um and then uh, we got another one here from Bill Sharp. Bill writes, just listen to the podcast for this. Well, I hope you would listen okay. to it for other reasons as well. But <laughs> okay, thanks. thanks. Thanks, Bill, I think. Yeah. I did a little fact checking on a couple things. Kiss didn't play Cobo Hall in 1978. They played the Olympia Stadium. The 78 tour also ended in April. The date on the ticket read October 13, 1978. My review, it's certainly not a cinematic masterpiece, but enjoyable enough. I don't think the movie would have worked without Kiss being the center point. I mean, would anybody have seen this movie if the characters were going to see Foghat? Well, nobody went to go see it, and it was Kiss, so who knows? Maybe Foghat would have been better. Yeah, that's a great one. And yep. you have some stuff that you were going to read from the uh, yeah, the from, episode from Twitter. What yeah, so so our, our friend Todd Harrig, he says, wow, I haven't watched this in years. And then you responded saying, after watching it again, you'll remember why. <laughs> <laughs> and then our, uh, our our good friend and loyal listener, Deuce, he says, uh, I was super excited when I saw the previews and was utterly disappointed after seeing it. A painfully stupid movie, terribly written, the casting is crap, and the acting sucks. A plot with great potential that turned into a horrible promo for Kiss and their reunion. Okay. Okay. Gee, tell um, us how you really feel. 
Then our buddy uh, Steve says uh, the soundtrack is way better than the film. Apart from nothing can keep me from you. Obviously, obviously, which sucks really bad. Um, our good friend Andy, he says this isn't a good movie, and it was tailor made for me, so I remember being disappointed. Um, let's see, Joel Hoffman, he says, uh, how funny at the movies, and he calls us at the movies instead of Siskel and Ebert, he calls us Sicky and Egbert. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means. He says, the way Zeus was critiquing this shit pile, it was like gone with the wind, (laughs) nonstop laughing. Great episode. Oh, then he says, that sexy voice that Tommy does for the Adam and Eve ad really gets me hot. (laughs) God. Uh, Chris Martini says, really fun movie. Um, Let's see. Scott Sterling, another big listener. He says, uh, I love that silly movie. Silly. Silly. I saw it in the theater the weekend it came out. Good times. Um, Go ahead. And so I wanted to add one comment in here more. And the last one I wanted to add was somebody wrote old guy who's never replied to us. I've never seen any of his comments with us before. I don't even think he follows us. But he did like to say, he did tweet to us. He wanted to say, Adam Rifkin, that's the director, did a great job directing this film. It never gets old. So I am bringing this tweet up because (laughs) here we go. So at some point, you know, when we usually put our tweets up for the episode, we don't think too much about it. We tag a few people that are the very common. We're always tagging, you know, usually Gene Paul Kiss. Uh, Jericho and a few other people like that But because it's this movie um, I think you tagged The director and maybe a couple other actors Or something in yeah, the, I, t- I tagged uh, I tagged Adam Rifkin and uh, Lynn Shea Okay and a couple other people Well yep. apparently <laughs> Apparently <laughs> The director took time To actually listen to the episode And he was um, None too Pleased to say the least. You fucking sneaky bastard. I'm gonna take you to work. I'm gonna nail it to the wall. I'm gonna crush your boils in a meat grinder. I'm gonna cut off your arms. I'm gonna shove them up your eyes. Um, what we got, we got a, a, a tweet back from him. Which has, which has, which has since it was deleted immediately after he sent it. Yeah, and I don't know if whatever he had second thoughts or whatever, but um, apparently, Tom, I can uh, I can read it for our fellow uh, podcast listeners. Oh, please do! Exactly. I want to hear. It. I, I want to hear it again. Yeah, exactly what he wrote to us. Yeah, I he's the director of the movie. I tagged him in it and. I knew that 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 some of the some of the movie review was harsh, and I know that a lot of it came from Zeus. Murph and I had some Murph and I had some Murph and I had some criticism of the movie, but overall we liked it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to tag this guy. You know, the movie's 20 years old. You know, hey, give him something to listen to. He's a movie director. They do they do. That's what critics exist to critique movies. We were movie critics for this episode, so yeah, it was harsh, but listen to it. See what you think, you know, yeah, love, hate, we're KISS fans, whatever. He, holy fuck, <laughs> does this guy have thin skin. 
And not only that, but it's disappointing that he deleted it literally right after he sent it because I had just enough time to to comment. And then I could the comment. My comment didn't even go through because his tweet had already been deleted. So he must have tweeted it and then just cut it loose. So, Zeus, go ahead. I was able to grab a screenshot of it. OK. Um, why the fuck would you three schmucks tag me on this? If you're going to shit all over the movie just to be dicks. Fuck you all, especially Zeus. Now, first of all, where do we begin? Um, Why did we tag you? Because Tommy just wanted to give you some recognition. I'll be honest with you. I know I rented the movie. I know Murph rented the movie. I know a ton of our followers and listeners rented the movie and watched it again. I own it. So in addition to that, like I said when we started this episode... This was the most listened to episode we have yet to have. Okay. And so we're not, and we're not here to not patting myself on the back, but we're not a, you know, we're not, we're a long way removed from our first episode. So we have a little bit of a following. A lot of people listen to this and you know, not everyone's going to like your movies. Was I being rude to him? I don't think so, except the one comment I made and I'm listening and I listened back to what I said. And I think I said, yeah, this movie, you know, I critiqued like, you know, I I overdid it because it's supposed to be a teen movie and whatever. But I just found it kind of stupid. Maybe they're stupid. Yeah. (laughs) No offense. Maybe it's because I'm older. I just found it stupid. And I didn't think it's as clever as other stupid movies like American Pie, Days and Confused, that are fun and well thought out. But I think I put something like, uh, "Yeah, there's yeah, no wonder this guy does hasn't done shit since this movie." Well, obviously the guy's working. Obviously the guy's got talent. Everybody has a shit movie in under their belt. Um, were there some good parts? Yeah, I'm, the guy's obviously a professional. I just thought the movie sucked. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm I'm gonna tell you that it's not uh, a bad movie it was written horribly uh this the movie wasn't edited properly you had made the point to tell me there was like over three hours but it was cut down to an hour and a half it yep. didn't flow right it had some stupid premises it didn't build up characters i don't want to keep reviewing the movie but anyways the guy got offended. These guys started to become very offensive toward me and throwing bricks and blocks down on top of me. We weren't trying to offend him. We weren't trying to kick somebody that we don't know down. Um, but this is what we do. It's a podcast. You're going to get upset because two guys on a KISS podcast didn't like Detroit Rock City? Buddy, you didn't just fucking do Silence of the Lambs and I said it sucked. You did Detroit Rock City. And it certainly wasn't personal to the guy because that's not what we do. But yeah, I thought and it I sucked. Don't... I mean, yeah. and I'm not changing my mind, but I don't mean to insult the guy. And by all means, I hope he's done some, found some success since then, and and he doesn't take it personally because that's not what we meant to do. No, but I also think too, if you've never listened to our podcast, you've never heard, and you come in cold, and this is the first <laughs> time you've heard us. You know, and and again, okay. In retrospect, should I should we have tagged him? I don't know, but like you said, you're a professional. You made a Hollywood movie featuring one of the biggest bands in the world. So maybe listen to it. See what see what see what you know. You you can't. I mean, calling us dicks and like just like 
insulting us. I want to be like, call us name. Call us name. Dude, you know what? Maybe, 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 maybe you should be directing other movies and not commenting on Twitter to a couple of Kiss podcasters about how bad your twenty-year-old movie is. You could do that too. Yeah, but I think what he was trying to get at is like you didn't need to personally tag me so I could see and get a notice of how much you think I sucked at this but, but, movie. But I could, I could see if he, I could see, I could give him a little credit if me, you, and Murph spent ninety minutes dragging that movie through the mud. And we did not. We did not. Yeah. So, uh, but anyways, wait till, he, I, wait till he hears us do the Kiss Meets the Fandom episode. Yeah, and that's just the thing. We do a Kiss podcast, and all you guys know, we always say we don't give foot rubs over here. Kiss no. is our favorite band. We do a whole fucking podcast on them. And we make fun of a lot of the shit they do. We got to have a sense of humor. If you take this shit seriously and try to critique Kiss like you're critiquing the white album by the Beatles, you're not going to be a fun podcast and you're not going to be something I want to listen to. So if you want to expect somebody to critique fucking Detroit rock city, like your Rex Reed or Siskel and Ebert, then go listen to those people. We're just two podcasters talking about a movie that we saw that was based on kiss. And it wasn't meant to be like hurting anybody's feelings. Very, very hurt. And believe me, us giving that opinion is not going to be any better or worse than I'm sure what the critics said about this way back when. Of course. Of course. So, anyways. So, moving along, um, again, our our apologies if the, you know, we weren't meaning to personally offend him. Um, no. But t- Tom did write, I did have a screenshot, buddy. Your Your text, excuse me, your text back to him i don't know if it, it didn't go through i think I, I think time, i think what happened but you I, wrote I, this this is what yeah. you wrote we're not being dicks two of us loved it and we wanted to see what you thought it's all good but thanks for listening now if we were dicks we would have wrote something a lot different than that so, right so but whatever yeah. anyways i just thought it was like tommy's like uh-oh take a look at this <laughs> Oh well, another satisfied customer, I guess. Right? I don't know. He was more mad at me, so he must have picked up on that one comment I said. Because the rest of the movie, I said the movie sucked. Half of most of our people actually said that the movie was cheesy, but they liked it. Or you know what I mean? Because it's Kiss, so nothing to be taken too serious. Anyways, you know what? All this stupid shit is getting me want to buy some fucking horny shit. Well, speaking of satisfied customers like Zeus just referred to, you guys have been listening, so you know that free stuff is awesome. But free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Select almost any one item for 50% off, and adamandeve.com loads on the free stuff. Enter offer code LOUDCAST at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And everybody's favorite, six free spicy movies. Plus free shipping. That's promo code LOUDCAST. AdamandEve.com. Use it today. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, you're going to start getting some voiceover work. <laughs> Maybe. So, 
So let's um, let's move this thing along because it's album review. Yeah. And um, we've gone through. Uh, this is the list of albums I believe that me and you have already done so far. We've done the debut. We've done Dress to Kill, Rock and Roll Over, Gene Simmons, <laughs> From Kiss, Unmasked, Animalized, Hot in the Shade, Psycho Circus. So we wanted to do something in between that, uh, you know, the original six and, you know, something before Lick It Up. Yep. Um, we uh, we had the four solo albums. Last year we did um, Jeans. So... Luckily, we came up with Paul Stanley's solo album. If you've listened to our podcast in the past, you you know that we have some uh, we've had some uh, positive comments to make. Let's say because I don't want to oh, give well, it away yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, about this album, your original thoughts on this? Because that's where I think how we start. Yeah, we usually yeah we start with first experiences, et cetera, et cetera. So I have to make an admission here. I'm kind of a bad Kiss fan because when all the solo albums came out. You know, we were five, six years old. I think I had almost all of them. I was late to the party for some unknown reason. It was not a conscious decision, but I was late to the party on Paul's album. I don't know why. Um, I don't know. Maybe save the best for last. Hint, hint on what I think of this album. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you're if you're listening to us, the solo albums, love them, hate them. They're just an iconic part of of the Kiss fandom. I don't want to get into what I really think of the album, but yeah, I, I was, I was late to the party on kisses. Uh, I'm on Paul Stanley's album, but when I did finally get it, um, fell in love with it immediately. Yeah. Um, my first thoughts, uh, I vaguely remember mind you, when this came out, I was like five years old. I remember the solo albums and I remember dynasty. And that's after that, I kind of fell off. Um, for a while, but I remembered every one of us. There was me, my brother, and two cousins, uh, in Arlington at the time, and everybody had their favorite. And I was the cat man, and then there was, um, I had another cousin that was the Paul Stanley, and we each had these albums. Um, and I, did I remember the songs from it? No, I don't remember any of the real songs from it. But when I did circle back and get back into Kiss afterwards, what I ended up getting was the best of the solos and Oh yeah. And that's not, in my opinion, a very good, what's the phrase I'm looking at, Tom. It's not very indicative of the good stuff that's on the solo albums. Some of it, some of it's good, but it's, it's not what we would have done. Yeah. Hint, hint, potential future episode. So I also made a point to write this down. On this album, uh, best of solos had Tonight You Belong to Me, Move On, Hold Me, Touch Me. Think of me when we're apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The box set had Tonight You Belong to Me. Icons has Wouldn't You Like to Know Me, Love to Know Me. Gold has Tonight. 40 Years, Decades of Decibels has Hold Me, Touch Me. So... This album has spotted, uh, you know, been spotted on several different Kiss compilation albums. Um, I probably remember the best of solo. I had that cassette and mm-hmm. that's where I got into it. And then when I really got back into Kiss, I started listening to this more by the college days again with you, Tom. And uh, I fell in love with it back then. 
I would say in the last 10 years, this album took over for me for the solo albums. Agreed. And it grew on me. And um, that's where I have my affinity for it. It's just recent. Um, That's my first thing. I remember buying this like in the late 80s, 90s and having it to put it into my collection. I remember then when I switched from cassettes to CDs, buying the CD. And, you know, I've had this since the 90s, I would say, got familiar with it. And, um, you know, it's played often. That's all I can say. And I I have the, um, for you vinyl collectors out there, I can't stress enough, you have to get the 40th anniversary edition box set of the vinyl it is unbelievable. <clears throat> it's all it's it's all four solo albums. Each one is colored. So, you know, Paul's is purple, Jeans is red, et cetera, et cetera. Each comes with the original posters. Um, then each then it, it comes in the in the package a frameable version of each album cover. Uh it's a spectacular collector's item. Um and just real quick, I'm not gonna spend too much time on this because we want to get into the review in the background, but listening to this album, I mean, I listen to this regularly in my KISS rotation. But we talk about this all the time. I don't know how you can how people can listen to this album and still argue that Aces is the standout best solo album. I understand it's different. Aces is much more it's more it's more classic rock, you know, dirty kind of stuff where Paul's is more kiss, more Paul. I get it. Um, but we'll 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 get into that, you know, when we when we talk about the details of the album. Yeah. So what we usually do after we talk about our first um, impressions and things like that is we start talking about the album cover Mm -hmm. and about that. So it is the album cover is the same album cover that was done by that artist, Eraldo Caraguti. Gotti? I don't know. Caragotti. And he's the one that's done, uh, did the four albums. Obviously, they're all done very similar in nature. Um, each one of them, the logo of the band on the top left, the artist on the right. Um, so they all can be part of a collection, but they're all each individual. So this is kiss. The album is Paul Stanley. Yep. You know, just like the other one was kiss Gene Simmons. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And this, these, I mean, everybody would, these are arguably, the most iconic images of the four band members. I mean, the, the, these, this artwork and this art style, I mean, to have paintings and not photographs, um, just spectacular artwork. I mean, just amazing. And like I said, they come with the posters, um, the CD. If you have the CD, you open up the, uh, the booklet. It's got the fold out poster. The vinyl obviously has it. Um, but just and the artwork, the yeah, artwork is spe- spectacular. The, the, and the gist is basically you take the four posters, you put them together, yep. you have one large image. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that it's so ingrained with us that we forgot to actually talk about is the fact is the colors. Yeah. That's where the colors came from pretty much. Yeah. yeah. The purple colors of Paul. Yep. Um, and there it is. And it's in, uh, you know, he's got the purple haze there on the back of his hair. Um and the purple low uh, lettering as well, um, all throughout. It's just it's so iconic that we forget about it to describe yeah. it. But you know we know we know it when we see it. Yeah. Um. 
let's get into some of the facts on the album. Yeah. So it was released along with the other three, uh, September 18th, 1978. It reached up to number 40 certified platinum. It's the only album with no covers, all original material. That's right. So yep. Paul wrote all the songs on it. There are nine songs, the least amongst all the uh, uh, solo albums, tying Ace Fraley. And if you really think about it, Ace probably has the least because one of his was in acoustic. Was uh, right. excuse me, was fractured mirror. So it instrumental. was uh, instrumental. Instrumental. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Paul wrote all his songs along with Michael Jap. He wrote three songs on this with him. Co-wrote with him. Recorded at Electric Lady Studios in New York and the record plant and village recorder in L.A. Back and forth, Paul went. It started with Paul producing this with Jeff Glicksman, the guy that did a lot of Kansas albums. And uh, eventually uh, they had a falling out. You want to talk about that? Well, it's interesting because if, if you know, I'm, I'm going to give some props to, uh, you know, pretty much the godfather of Kiss background stuff. And that's Mr. Julian Gill. Um, and if anybody has gotten his book, which is just mammoth sized, you thought yeah, Joey Tom- Casada, you thought you thought Joey Casada's book was big. I was gonna say Tom started reading this book about four years ago, and he's yeah. got half. Uh, Julian Gill did a book called Gene Ace, Peter and Paul: A Detailed Exploration of the '78 Kiss Solo Albums. It is insane if you're a kiss fan it's like oh my god information overload but it's interesting what what zeus just said about jeff glicksman and the producer because you know it said it, it says there's been some suggestion um that uh paul and uh jeff glicksman that it wasn't working out and that paul decided to finish the production of the album himself um julian writes that however the reality of the situation is actually a little bit reversed he says that paul enjoyed having a producer so the so the requirement for him to use one was kind of a moot point. He said the project started out with him hitting the studio with a band, his material, working the arrangements out. He said the need for a quote-unquote name producer was likely a result of the label, and it became clear that neither parties had defined their roles when they started working with one another, meaning it sounds like, you know, Paul wanted – first, Paul wanted Ron Nevison. That was, that's who he wanted. Ron Nevison was unable because there's conflicting reports that Ron was working on the band UFO, uh, but then he was also working on uh, the band The Babies. So, again, it's an old story here, but there are conflicting reports about whether Paul and Jeff had issues or how that went. But half the album is produced by Paul himself, and the other half of the album is produced with Paul and uh, Jeff Glicksman. I'm reading Paul's comments from behind the mask. Yep. This is directly from the horse's mouth. Yep. When I started recording with a co-producer, it wasn't what I hoped it to be and went back to doing it myself. I was hoping to do an album with Ron Nevison. He was doing the babies. He was the type of producer that I wanted to work with. He also stated, unfortunately, nobody that I wanted to work with was available. How do you read that other than, yeah, the people I really wanted to work with weren't available. Right. right. Um, And so... Look, it sounds like to me, Paul's there's somebody's doing some revisionist history. Paul doesn't oh, totally. Seem, I would take it though that Paul wasn't really happy with this guy. Probably, me but too. Probably. Whatever, whatever. Um, Glicksman did uh, four of the songs produce uh, "Take Me Together as One," 
It's All Right, Love and Chains, and Goodbye. Paul, you should have used them for the rest of the album. <laughs> Those four <laughs> songs. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, so, and you produced Hold Me, Touch Me. So, I don't think uh, anything else has to be said. Um, Paul said he would give this album a six. This is great because anybody that's got behind the mask at the back section of the book, they they go through every album and every song and they talk up, they each rate it. Yeah. So he said, if there was a sixth, sixth star, it would get it. I think it's a really good album, blah, 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 blah. But then, but then fucking Gene just comes in. (laughs) You want, you want to, you want to talk with, all right. So Gene goes, Paul's solo album was a lot closer to Kiss but the solo album I most enjoyed was Aces. Yeah, no one's talking about that, Gene. Stay on target here. Oh, good. I can't maneuver. Stay on target. We're too close. Stay on target. Um, he said, when Paul when Paul sticks to the harder-edged lyrics, I like it more. There's a lot of stuff on there that's, you know, love this and love that. When Paul starts to get romantic, I turn it off. But as a rock and roller, you can't touch him. As long as he stays hard, it works out. But when he goes soft, I miss you. I love you. I say, you're spineless. Get out. I give it two stars. <laughs> you never really hear Gene talk like that about Paul. He usually nope. like tries to appease him. Yep. And then I'm going to come back to that quote later on. Me too. I know what you're okay. going to say. Because, because <laughs> okay. Yep. But I'm going to come back to that. But yes, Ace sorry. said he would give it a five. Yeah. And when apparently, they did- apparently Peter Chris couldn't be reached for comment. <laughs> <laughs> or Paul said... Hey, he probably heard what we ranked his album. Nobody asked Peter what he want, he said about my album. I don't want to hear it. Oh, that's, good point. Oh. That, that's true. <laughs> this is like schoolyard shit. This is oh, like again. like your juvenile, uh, ju- uh, your junior high school friends. Oh, I don't want to ask him what he thinks about it because I shit on him already. Like, oh, and, the, and that junior and that junior high shit continues when we talk about the re- you know some other yeah. production aspects of this album. Yeah, and so the other thing I wanted to add. Is you know when Kiss did all the remastering of all their albums, and I got all the remastered CDs. So the guy that did that, Robert Conti, um, he makes a little kind of like a comment on every insert yeah. of every new CD that came out. So I'm looking at this one, and he talks about it appears though because this sounded like most like Kiss that. Incorrectly, I'm paraphrasing that incorrectly yeah. that Paul was the sole driving force behind Kiss because they are sounding like him. I, I don't believe that's just it. I think that Paul is more natural and confident and agrees with that way he's trying to do it and really didn't need to go out like the other ones and prove I'm talented. I can do this. You can do it. Like Ace and Peter, and whereas Gene felt the same way, but Gene also had a variety of taste and wanted to do something way out of left field and come up with all sorts of crazy shit. Paul's just like, I'm good. I know I'm good. I can do something like this. It won't be very. It will be close to a kiss because I'm confident what I can do. So I I, I think that's an in, important kind of um, discussion when you talk about these albums and the and the fact that you know there's so much. Oh, well, wait a minute. Ace is the most rocking and Peter's were so different. And then Paul's was most like Kiss. You got to put in perspective in 1978, where were we? Who's who was what in the band? P- 
Peter had some confidence. He just had the biggest hit the band ever had. So in his mind, I can try and do the shit that I really like to do. He was probably being the truest to himself because Kiss music was probably not in his vein. Paul is true as well because that's what he likes. Gene was kind of true, and he went out on a limb to try to. But I also think Gene was trying to uh, impress too many people with three hundred extra guests and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Julian also kind of talks about a little bit of that, too, in his book. He says, of the four members, Paul Stanley's solo album presented the greatest challenge. He says, where Gene may have been the face of Kiss, Paul was the front man, the heart and soul. Paul's album was always going to sound like a Kiss album since he was their primary voice for the band. He says, you know, ultimately, though, Paul stretched his boundaries for his album without overreaching or heading into any uncomfortable directions. Instead, he relied on subtle touches and embellishments to to present a highly focused atmosphere. And then Julian says, in some ways he played it safe. I don't really look at it. Like I don't, I don't come at it from that angle. I come at it from Paul's a rock and roll guy. Paul's like bare bones, rock and roll. And I think this is a Paul album. I don't know if he played it safe. I mean, you could, maybe you could say that, but I just don't think he had anything to to prove other than, you know, I'm Paul Stanley from kiss and I'm going to make a kick-ass album on my own. Yeah, and I think he had the confidence to do it. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. I think his was probably the most like organized. Oh, totally. Uh, most like intact. Like know exactly what I want, who I want to work with, and yep. I can run it and put my stamp on it. Versus you know someone like Ace who has the talent, but he did go back and use you know Eddie Kramer on his to say, "Hey, bring it out of me," because yep. Eddie Kramer could do that, and yep. he was all rock and roll, but. You know, I'll save that review for later. But so those were original thoughts uh, of the beginning of the album. Anything else you want to discuss or do you want to hit the tracks? I think we got to before we get into the tracks, we got to bring up a big a big story here with Mr. Bob Kulik. I'm a Grammy award winning producer and the drama surrounding Bob Kulik to show you the issues that Paul and Gene were having competition wise, if you want to interpret it that way. Mm -hmm. So. Bob says he was interested. It was interesting because Gene wanted Bob to play on his album too, but he was caught between Paul and Gene. He said, after I was done with Paul's record, Gene sent me a note saying, I heard what you did on Paul's stuff. And I think you played great. Looking forward to you doing some stuff on my record. Paul said, I don't think it's right for you to do Gene's record because you left such a big stamp on my record. So Bob's in the middle. It's like, what the fuck? It's almost like Paul was like, oh, no, no, I know how good Bob is. He kicked ass on my record. He's not going on your record. And this was back in the days when Bob Kulik was, you know, I don't know, on the level, I guess I'll put it nicely. And, and uh, living at living at Paul's house and yeah, exactly. best of friends with Paul. And I believe eventually Gene came back to, to Bob and was like, no, you're right. You're all set. You You did a good job for Paul. You don't need to come on mine. Yeah, he um, said, yeah, no, no big deal. Right. Which always gets back to in the dynamic of who controls Kiss. It's Paul. Yep. Gene will will back down when it comes to it because he doesn't need the drama. And I feel like there's a part of this. I, I agree with Paul. He shouldn't have done it. Gene shouldn't have asked Bob. He each grabbed a different guy. He grabbed somebody else. Bob's on my record. But. Like usually you'd just be pissed and bite your lip and let Gene do it. 
Paul was like, no, you're not taking him. And it was a challenge. And it seems like Gene was like, gloves off, stick down, no warning. He challenged the teeth. Fuck, I'm not going to piss him off. I'm right. not taking him. Right. And he backed off, right? Yeah. And yeah. he didn't take him. And so, you know, but Gene is kind of the prick that, and I think that's the other part. It's the ego. It's, it, these are the fights that are legendary. You hear about them. Like, Gene is like so inconsiderate, doesn't even think about it. Right. Well, fuck him. I'll just take, I'll take Bob. But he should know. And I think years come down where now the last five or six years, I would say maybe longer, Gene kind of realized he's got to think ahead about certain things with Paul. Because over time, he's realized, like, I can't, I got to be more considerate because I get how Paul is. Because G- Paul always makes those comments about Gene, like, you know, he doesn't mean to be when right. he doesn't think of himself. But he still has those jabs at Gene yeah. uh, about everything's like Gene, Gene, Gene. And I think this is one of the things. And Gene didn't get it that he was being kind of like, oh, what's the big deal? Let me take him. Like and Paul it, put his foot down. But it's interesting too because again I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to reference uh Julian's book here because we just talked about, you know, Bob Kulik. I worked with Motorhead. And, but he says ironically, even with the competition between Paul and Gene, there is a guitarist who appears on both Gene and Paul's solo album and that's Steve Lacey. So Julian says, "Well, it seems that certain players were quote-unquote shareable while others were not." So it seems to me yeah, that Paul, it, but it, it, what it is seemed, Steve? He did one song on. <clears throat> he did one song for Paul and maybe one I, for Gene. If that, I think, it, I think it comes down to the fact that at that time Bob Kulik kicked ass and he kicked ass on Paul's record. And like you said, Paul was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, you're not kicking ass on somebody else's record, let alone my bandmate Gene Simmons, who we compete with to the death on everything." Yeah, I don't know who I'm trying to think. We did the Gene review, like who was all over that album yeah um you know maybe you would have to go back and take a look and say well that person coming to paul's album i mean bob is all over this album he has a stamp all over this oh yeah he played on seven of the nine tracks yeah the one that uh the steve guy whatever his name is uh played on the one um and then he didn't do the guitars on hold me touch me Believe me, Bob, that's that's good for you that you didn't. Um, yeah, Steve Lacey on Love and Chains and then Hold Me, Touch Me. He didn't play on that. But everything else, Bob played. Yep. So, you know, he's lucky he didn't play on one of those. Um, let's, um, anything else you want to get into before we get started? Let's get into it. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. 
I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. All right. The opening track.
That is tonight. You belong to me. Uh, I'm going to say this once I might repeat myself, but I'm going to try not to. This is one of a handful of songs on this album that had they been released on a proper kiss studio album would have been an absolute hit. It would have been one of the top songs that the, that the band ever released. I'm going to tell you right now, this is one of my all time favorite songs in the entire kiss catalog. It is a spectacular song, a, a, a perfect opener. It starts off with that acoustic moodiness. And when that electric guitar kicks in with that riff and then those drums and oh, it, the song gives me chills. I just I love this song. Tonight, You Belong to Me, written by Paul Stanley. This is uh, a song that was produced alone by Paul. Paul yeah. played the guitar, the Ebo. He's played that all over this album. Uh, yeah. Bob Kulik did the lead guitar. Steve Buslow, I think, on Buslow. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, mm-hmm. did the bass. And Richie Fontana did the drums. Um, I think this is um, a, a, a unbelievably great song. Uh, I love it. I think this is part um, song three of the trilogy. And we talked about this at one point, right? The trilogy, which starts off with Black Diamond. Which goes to I Want You, which goes to Tonight You Belong to Me, all done by Paul. The the ballads that start off slow with the acoustic guitar and then boom, rock out yep. when you cock out. Um, <laughs> yeah, fucking love it. Yep. Um, it's one of the first songs Paul wrote for his solo album. Paul says it, gives, it has that epic feeling. Um, oh, you know, totally. Tear your heart out, passion. Pain that I know so well, he said. Yep. Um, any other thoughts you want to go to? No, it's just like even Bob Kulik says that the, 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 the song is big. It's heartfelt. It gave him chills. Um, just a, a just a great song. I love the bass line. Yes. I love the passion. And I don't say this often with Paul because it's nothing that it's pa- – he doesn't – you know. You pull the trigger of my love gun. It's not something you can be like passionate about. Ooh, feel yep. that. Feel what he's going through when he's asking a chick to pull his love gun. Like, yep. there's not many songs out of here. Paul is pouring his heart out. Well, go on and leave me, he sings. You know, and the, and the tone in his voice, the bass line kicks ass, as I said. The song was about Carol Kay, not the famous bassist. Um, but the publicist and, yep. uh, Paul calls her a stunner in Bill Acoin's publicity department. And he was crazy about crazy, insane, insane, crazy. And behind the mask, he says he wasn't going to mention her because it would make her real happy. And maybe she shouldn't be at this point. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? He's, he didn't want he he didn't want her to know. Like he didn't want her to be happy. Like he's yeah. trying to be vindictive. Why she's in this section of the book and right. talking about it in a loving fashion about right. the time they spent. So she was with somebody at the time, um, and Paul was talking about you know having her to there was some sort of a, like a love triangle. Yep. And he talks about it in his book. If you read his book, uh, behind the mu- uh, face the music, 
And he talks yeah, about it's not, it's, it's not in backstage pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's behind the meatball recipe. <laughs> um, got olive oil here. Put a little in your pan. Yeah. And you want to throw in your prosciutto. Um, he talks about the chase. I know that feeling. Uh, everybody has that. You got to have this girl. You got to have this girl. You got to have this girl. Well, guess what? You got the girl. You nailed her. And you're like, huh. Like Eddie Murphy, well, why don't you shake your ass on out of here? And then man get real cold on you, say some shit like, why don't you shake your ass home? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you lose it. And he talks about it, that he got her, and then he's like, what the fuck? And you wait. You wait three months. Then you finally get it, and she's like this, I'm yours. And you go, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> fuck you and your pussy. Get the fuck out of my face. And he's like, you know, it's that he that he had it at that point in his life. Everything was about the chase. I know exactly what he's talking about. I like the solo. This um, is kind of like a. This is some of the stuff, and I I I, I can kind of equate with like um, certain songs in this album. I can say uh, Bob does a very Ace-like performance. Like Ace can do this. Oh, totally. certain yeah, yeah. things certain things on this album there's no fucking way ace is playing that nope Agreed. and but this is something i think he could have handled and stuff and been pretty good at it yep. I, I like the solo like i said the lyrics are great and it makes me wonder he can pull this off does he dumb it down for kiss yes <laughs> right like he can write a passionate song about this and pouring her heart out and telling a woman tonight you belong to me not fucking yeah my mind is getting dirty there are uh, there there are, there's a half of this album would have would have been spectacular kiss songs you know why couldn't they have added this on the love gun instead of fucking and then she kissed me at the end yeah he played this on his uh, solo tour too yep. when he was doing it, right? Yeah, he he knows how good it is. Oh, fantastic! Yep, ready, move on. Let's. Ooh. Ah, nice one. <laughs> Um, an upbeat song. Um, look, it's Paul's solo album. 
it, it's it's a good song. It's not one of my favorites. I don't. I'm not a big fan of this kind of tempo for Paul. The style of the song. Um, it it sounds like it would be something you know, like a Jerry Lee Lewis or like a Elvis <laughs> song, which you know, and and then and then you get the band Rouge doing the background vocals. Move on. Um, you know, it, it's got a, it, it's got a cool vibe. It's a nice upbeat rock song. It's got a killer solo at the end after they're done singing. That's the song just kind of outros with, uh, just, you know, noodling on the guitar. That's really cool. Um, not one of my favorites, but it, it's, it's a good, it's a good song. So Paul produced this track, move on written by Paul and Michael Jap. Is it Jap or Jap? I can't I read my it's writing. J A P P Jap. Yeah. Yep. Paul does the guitar, Ebo. Bob does the lead guitar. Steve Buzzolo does the bass. Richie Fontana, the drums. And then it's Diana Grassley, Miriam Naomi Val, and Maria Vidal, yep. otherwise known as Rouge, part That's of right. Desmond Child and Rouge. So they were performing some stuff in New York, a band that was up and coming. Paul obviously has a friendship with Desmond Child, and he said, "I saw these singers. They were each one of them could sing lead, sing uh, was a lead singer, amazing performers." And he wanted to bring them in. Half an hour later, they're in the studio doing this with him. Um, Paul thought it was like bad company ish. Yep. I like the bri- I like the bridge. The time is at hand. The yeah. day is upon us. Like, <laughs> where the fuck is he putting that in a Kiss song? It's it's funny. Yeah, you bring that up. I mean, you know, not I mean, you know what it is? This this like early kiss, you know, like the first two two albums, maybe. But then once they got to dress to kill it on, then it was all the fucking and sucking chick songs. You know, I mean, this yeah. is a chick song, too. But, you know, and you're, when when I was just a boy, you know, <laughs> my my mama, you know, settled down. Do you like do you like but it is kind of it is kind of funky and cool, like the whole when I was just a baby, mama sat me on her knee. Like the, yeah. the way he sings this and kind of, it's kind of preachy. It's like uh, Motown he, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got, yeah. <laughs> you got to move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that was me and Tom singing. Yep. Um, And he played this on his solo tour. Yeah. And Move On also ends up on Best of Solo. Yeah. And they and, played, and they they played this live when the when the band toured for uh, Dynasty, Dynasty when they when they each played a solo song he played this was the one he played yeah and I believe in on the Mass tour they may have played this as well yeah um, it's just you know it's it's a good song I like it um and, and I and you kind of get used to it because it, when you start doing best of solos tonight you belong to me move on we're on always yeah so you got like if you're familiar with some of the solo albums you were familiar with the first two songs it's yeah. you know did you True. dive really in to get to the next few songs well let's find out uh next song ready you were standing and i was thinking of all the time that I spent hanging around Situation Could only get better I got closer to see what I found In the morning Moving easy Everything seems so right 
that is ain't quite right. This is a song that when I originally kind of got into the Paul solo album, I was like, ah, yeah, what, you know, what's going on here? Maybe it's because I'm an old man now. I really like this song. I just find it interesting. It's moody. Um, I like how there's really it, the the vibe of the song, you know, the, the just that little guitar kind of sound in the back. And then the drums occasionally pick up with a standard beat and then it goes back to kind of, you know, just kind of sitting in the background. And there's like that kind of solo in the middle where the, the electric guitar is kind of noodling over that rhythm. Um, I, I really like it. it. You know, it's not a kick-ass rock song, but I, I, I like it a lot. Now, this one is another one that Paul produced, written by Paul and Michael Jap. Paul Guitar, Ebo, Bob, lead guitar, uh, Steve Buzzolo on bass, Richie Fontana on drums, Pepe, Roni. You tell me, Pepe is that Pepe Roni? Yeah. A.K.A. Pepe Castro. Pepe Castro. Backing vocals. So the first two songs, I believe Ace could have played on. This one, Ace is not playing on. No this way. is a bluesy <clears throat> guitar. I, I mean, in nope. my opinion, could he possibly? Yes, but it's not an Ace sound to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is this is the. This is Kissel. I think the beauty of having Bob that he can pull off the Kiss guitar and then he could do this for you. Yep. Very bluesy. It's just, uh, it's one of those things that's interesting that Steve uh, Buzzlow, Buzzlow, I don't know how to say Buzzlow, yep. Buzzlow tells the story in behind um, the mask about how he couldn't, like Paul trying to show him how to play the bass on this song, and he couldn't get it right, and Paul took the time to teach him, so he wanted him to do it. He's like, Paul didn't need me, basically, and, you know, he was, he, I, very much appreciate what a gentleman he was and how he took the time. He could have kicked me out and just brought somebody in, knew what he was doing or done it himself. But he wanted to take the time to teach this guy. No, no, you can do it. You can do it. Just do it like this and, and that. And so it was an, it was a nice story. In it. And you get a couple of those stories throughout this album of people talking about Paul as classy and a gentleman and a good guy throughout this album. Versus, I can only imagine the shit show that was going on at Peter's, <laughs> oh, <laughs> full God. of yeah. cocaine and crack and whatever else you're doing, yeah. firing people left and right. Um, but I find this song, it's okay. It's creative. It's just not kiss like. It's it's more sophisticated. I had put and the, yeah. and I you know and again, Paul's voice has a bounce over the guitar, going like it moves along. It's hard to explain it. It's awesome. Um, I like it. Yeah, it's, and it's it's, it's and, interesting. Yeah, and I, again, no way he's, I was doing this. No, in my probably, opinion, probably not. You're right. You ready for the next? Let's go.
wouldn't you like to know me? Wouldn't you like to know me? Yeah, of course you would like to know me. I'd like to know Paul. Holy shit. This falls into that category of, God damn it, if this was a Kiss song, what a fucking power pop at its finest. This song would have been a monster hit. And it frustrates me that some of these great songs are buried on his solo album. This is just a terrific song. We, Paul, Kiss fans know that Paul loves the Raspberries, that real poppy band. Um, power pop. Yeah, power pop band. Yep, exactly. Um, took Got some influence from that uh, with this. Um, just a fun, upbeat rocker of a song. And, you know, this is like an ass shaker of a song for Paul. You can, you can picture him just like, wouldn't you like to know me? I, it's just, I love it. I love it. Paul produced. Written by Paul Stanley alone. Paul played the guitar, Bob in the lead, Steve Buslow on bass, Richie Fontana on drums. Um, yeah, you, were t- you already talked about it, the raspberry licks that are on this. Uh, I like the solo. The drums are pretty decent, very Peter Chris-like drums, I put. And Paul said this was another one, according to uh, Face the Music, another song about Carol Kay. Yeah. The second of yep. them. Yep. I find that interesting as well. I I think I've got a, a little bit of fatigue on this one. I used yeah. to love it a lot more. Um, and I fell in love with it back in college and Murph would attest to it. That's exactly. why Murph never over Murph still loves this song to this day. Cause he hasn't overplayed it like I did. But when you talk to him about this, he'll say, Oh, wouldn't you like to know me? He loves that song. Yeah. We started really getting into it. During Stonehill days. That's uh, true. A great tune. Anything else? Are you ready to move on again? Let's go. All right. Take me away. away together as one now this song this is like two songs in one and i think that's why i love it um you know paul is very breathy and looking back on all my memories you know it's like all that kind of shit yeah, you know? yeah tom singing yeah <laughs> but then the thing i love about this song is it just 
kicks you in the teeth when the full band comes in. Yesterday is far away, so take me out to sea. Oh, it's just and, and Paul is just singing his ass off. And then it and then it then the music stops and it kind of goes back into the kind of the quiet acoustic. Um, you know, it's got a killer solo in the middle. Um, you know, it, it very very emotional Paul song. He's like 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 Zeus said about tonight you belong to me. Paul is really um, kind of pouring it out here. Oh Jesus! It sounds like uh, you know you're getting a little overreactive today. Uh, and this is the one song that where our boy. Carmine a piece bangs out the drums on this uh and at the end you can see Carmine just going off with his drum fills that kind of have nothing to do with the song and we can talk about that a little bit but Zeus go ahead take take me away Zeus <laughs> produced by Paul and Jeff Glixman written by Paul and Michael Jap Paul played the guitar Bob the lead guitar Steve Buslow on bass and Carmine a piece on drums. So Paul had his New York band and then he had his LA band. And what was happening is um he was going back between them. So this is one track that's with Glixman and for some reason Carmine a piece only appears on this one. Um this is the only track that he was on. He played on three uh four songs I think he said and but this is the only one that he they show that he does get credit for and stayed on the album. Yep. Um, Paul was trying for an epic feel. I'll be honest with you. Didn't realize it, but you listen to this album because this is what we do. We really go over it and play it and play it before we do an album review. And it's like Paul's Zep attempt or like white snake bluesy type of like epic type of song. Yep. Um, I I enjoyed it a lot. I I really liked it. Um I guess they him and um Michael Jap had started the song and then towards the end of the album like he's like, "You know what? He circled back to him and said, "Hey, let's finish this again." And they came up with it and finished the last part. Maybe that's why it sounds like a couple different songs. I'm not yep. sure. It seemed like Carmine the Peace was like disappointed in the way he sounded and he kind of makes excuses for himself about touring and he came in and he was at the time playing with rod stewart and stuff and he was kind of shitting on and even bob was in behind the music behind the music behind the mask was shitting on carmine's over the top drumming style getting in the way of what paul was trying to do i don't know what he's talking about i fucking loved it I, I love all those drum fills, <clears throat> all that movement and stuff. I, I'm like, like, dude, that's epic drumming. I'm like, holy shit. But I think, I think that's the thing that makes this song, like we just said, it makes it epic is that as the song is, is kind of riding towards the end. He was riding dirty. You just kind of have that, the, the guitars and just that, that general vibe of the song. And then I, I look, I love drummers. And Carmine Apiece is just blowing shit up with his drum fills. The guitar you know, solo and everything. everything. Yeah. It's there's a great there's, band. There's so much going on. And, you know, Bob Kulik says, Carmine asked if he could cut loose and play all those drum fills. He played everything but the kitchen sink. I'm listening to the fills after it's done. And he's all over the place time-wise because he was showing off. Well, yeah, that's what drummers do, especially at the end of a song. But like Zeus said, I thought it, I thought it was great. It was an, a great way to end the song. If he was doing that throughout the song... It'd be a little bit, you know, kind of it would get in the way. 
But I think as as that was since that was like the outro, I I thought it was great. I loved it. Yeah, I, I agree. And you were singing some of the lyrics. What were you singing earlier? Um, that's it. Later, I get this. I have. I have. There's a song coming up where I'll be singing a lot more of. So okay. I'll save it. But my my point in that was not to get you to sing again. But my point <laughs> in that is like those lyrics. Like you wouldn't know that's a kiss song, right? You wouldn't know. It's not. Put your hand in my pocket. Grab onto my rocket. Which gets me back to like Paul could obviously have done this stuff. Is he dumbing it down for Kiss fans like to talk to like the you know the fist bumping juvenile delinquents back then that were all like we're all into that shit and yep. it's got to be suck me fuck me rock and roll all night and don't get too sophisticated. Right. I don't know because no, you're right. There's there's none of that on here so far. We're we're five songs into the album and all of it is. You know, some of some of it's very emotional, but rocking. But none of it's like you said. None of it's you know, take me or any of that kind of shit. You know, it, it's uh, it's all. I don't want to say sophisticated, but it's not shits in, as far as lyrics concerned. Not that's music. what I mean. Yeah, 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 lyrically. Yeah, it's all right, Tom. It's all right. <laughs> Another song. I'll say it again. If this was a Kiss single, would have been a monster, monster hit. It's all right. How can you not love this song? It's just, it, it just got a great rhythm. Paul just, just the beginning of it with that riff and the drums kick in, and then Paul's like, "Oh yeah, that's right." More singing. <laughs> You're gonna get the singing from me. Um, ah, just a great song. Oh, I love it. You can just imagine if this was on a Kiss album. Written by Paul Stanley, produced by Paul and Jeff Glicksman. Paul on guitar, Bob on lead guitar, Eric Nelson on bass, and Craig Cramp on drums. This is the LA band, I believe, now. Yep. Um, the first thing I write about this song is that riff. Oh, God, yeah. Um, Paul talks about it. Uh, behind the Mask, what's missing from the album was an up-tempo, kick-ass rock and roll song. Well, he sure got it. Um, I think that this song is quintessential Paul. And what I mean by that is like if I and I and I want to make this point known. um, I I think I've said this to you. Like if I had to trust my life and say to someone, someone says, hey, I'm going to shoot you dead in the fucking head unless Somebody writes a song that you 100% will like. 
I don't think there's anybody in the world that I would pick that I would guarantee would write a song that I would like more than Paul Stanley. Good one. Honestly, probably I, I would say that I trust him because he would write something with a catchy fucking melody and hook. Yep. Singable, lovable chorus with a great vocals. This is Paul in his prime. Yep. I, I trust him to write that hook. I trust him to write that melody, that chorus. I trust him. This is the proof. This is quintessential Paul. Um, I, I will I'll give you a couple things, Tom. Some shout it out loud cast statistics. I love those. Okay. Number one pick for me in our number one episode of a non-album, non-compilation compilation album. I this remember. was the number one pick off our first episode. Yep. Episode two, we both had it on Kiss Alive, the real Kiss Alive 3. So if your concert was done with like the solo albums, I think Unmasked and uh, the songs off Dynasty. of uh, Dynasty and Killer and uh, Alive 2. Yep. Um, it was on my barbecue playlist episode episode 25 episode 26 you put it on best three songs in a row on any kiss album Mm -hmm. in a row on a kiss album not best three fucking kiss (laughs) wouldn't you like to know me take me away and it's all right episode 43 i put it in Songs that I wish were played live mm-hmm. or, or, or to have a live copy of that. I heard them play it live again. This is some information about this specific song. We love it. That's, that's all I got to say. Uh, let's ready to move on. Hold or me. do you have something else? I, I want you to hold me. I want you to touch me. I'll think of you when we're apart. Touch me, think of me when we're apart. Okay, look, <clears throat> this song is it, it, this is low hanging fruit. If you want to pile on and shit on something and make fun of it, Paul Stanley kind of deserves it. Okay, but I, I, I'm going to slow down here for one second. 
if your goal is to make a 70s AM radio ballad syrupy whatever soft rock song this is really good at if you if that's what you're looking for it's not a song that i like it's not a song that i listen to um paul changes his his vocal structure in this song the way he carries the tune um i think it would be better suited if somebody like barry Manilow who was singing it or somebody from that era um it's not great and it doesn't belong on this album, but I think for what it is supposed to be, look, it, that's all I can say. I'm trying to be half serious, half joking about it. But that being said, it's a song I skip. Yeah. Uh, Paul Stanley produced this. It was written by Paul Stanley. Um, by the way, I'm not sure if I mentioned that Paul wrote It's All Right. Uh, oh, yeah. Paul did all the guitars on this song. Eric Nelson did the bass. Craig Cramp did the drums. Pepe Castro. You want to talk to a man by the name of Pepperoni? Hey, yes. Background vocals. Doug Casaros um, did piano, string ensemble, and backing vocals. This was the only so um, single released. It reached number 46. Which um, is unbelievable. I don't know which one is worse. The fact that they released this as a single or the fact that it went all the way up to 46. This is Paul's first love song, like a power ballad. I don't consider, and you tell me, do you consider Peter's song there, Hard Luck Woman, a ballad, a power ballad? No, not at all. I don't think it's a power love ballad like that. This is. Paul sings in what I would call to be kind I would call it a wimpy voice. Absolutely. Off, oh, off, a, the, off the air, me and you would call it a different voice. It's a very wimpy song. Totally. Oh, my gosh. Paul writes, good songs come easy. The lyrics were real easy. No. because yeah, they're horrible. The lyrics are embarrassingly painful. Okay. First of all, first of all, don't say this stuff about good songs and then lyrics and then try to equate that. Oh, yeah, that's why this is easy. No. Some things come easy because if you have a fucking great hook in your brain, I get it why he says these things that it's easy. Yeah, I found I found a catchy melody in my head. They come easy to me. Great. Yep. But this. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Paul did the lead. He did all the guitars on this. So he says this is his favorite lead guitar work. There's a lot of piano in this song, by the way. Oh, God. This is the one of the parts that I want to bring up. Gene says it's a brave departure for Paul. A well-written song. Somebody could have a hit with it today. That is not the gene that said two stars in Paul. I thought what he described in the beginning of the episode when he was describing Paul's album was specific to this song. Yet the quote for this song from Gene, it is that it's a well-written song and it's a brave departure. Does that sound like what he was saying earlier? Yeah, because when because he specifically at the beginning of the of the section says "hold me, touch me" kind of stuff. When Paul gets romantic, I turn it off. When he gets soft, I say "you're spineless, get out." And now he's like, "Oh, what a brave departure! It could have been a hit." Well, which is it? <laughs> Look, that quote one, was in, that quote was when somebody was in front of him. Yeah, and it's funny too because in the U the the B side of this single in the U.S. was "Goodbye." How the fuck was "Goodbye" not a single? <laughs> But it was funny that in the in the UK, um, there was a they they 
uh, inadvertently put Love in Chains as the B-side. How the hell was that not the single? <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, Hold Me Tight, it, it's just, it's a wimpy, whiny, just, it's like an Air Supply type Barry Manilow. That's what of, I was going to go with next. Yeah, sorry. Air Supply would make that a hit. It'd it, it, be a monster soft, hit. On, on soft, soft, soft rock soft radio. Rock, you, yep. you know, and we would laugh about it. No! They're all going to laugh at you! And be Absolutely. Like, oh, thank God we don't have artists that we like do that music. That is terrible. And um, yep. in the book behind the mask, um, Doug Katsouris talks about that, you know, Paul said he had problems writing ballads. So he wrote one for Paul oh, to God. give him inspiration. Well, whatever the fuck you wrote, Doug, wasn't good enough because Paul came back and wrote this shit. And Paul, this is the second part of this that I was saying that I heard that people were saying Paul was so generous to make him feel like that Doug was so helpful and stuff. And they talk about, you know, Paul being classy and a gentleman and things like that. This song was about Cher's sister, Georgian Lapierre, that Paul was dating while Jean was dating Cher. And he was going back and forth with her and he wanted her hoping that he was she was thinking about him while she was gone. You know, nowadays it's called phone sex and <laughs> that's what you do. I would say this is the biggest jump for all Kiss members when it came to the solo albums. And I want to kind of jump into this. And this is what Go I ahead. mean by. So Gene wanted to experiment a little bit. OK, Gene always had weird tastes. He had in music. He's into cartoons. He's into comic books. He's into horror. Movies, he's into all loads, all loads of shit. So the fact that he comes out and he does When You Wish Upon a Star, although it's a fucking horrendous decision, yeah. I'm not that surprised if one of them did it. It's him. He would do it. Ace is doing rock shit, so there's no big departure for him. Peter gets a lot of shit being like, I don't get it. I don't get what he's doing for doing songs like, you know, I Can't Stop the Rain and Kiss the Girl Goodbye and all that other fun stuff. But Peter was always like a balladeer. He did that stuff. That's not the fact that he was always coming back from an R&B standpoint. So him doing that is not that big a departure. It's a departure from Kiss. But even in Kiss, he still had that background. This from Paul is a bigger departure from him doing like, you know, the weakest shit Paul ever did in Kiss. At that point, you would say was hard luck woman. And that's a good Rod Stewart type of song. This is a huge departure. So I would say this is the biggest of all of them when it came to it. I don't know what you think about that. No, I, I I don't know if it would be the biggest departure. I think it's just Paul trying to do something that he probably didn't have the freedom to do as a member in, in Kiss, like you said, departure. But this is this is Paul. This, Paul's. This represents Paul. I mean, people might, might, might not want to. Th- no, you. I think it represents Paul going forward. Prior to this, no. Oh yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, from '78 prior, but yeah, afterwards, yeah, Paul puts out shit like this every once in a while. Now. Right. 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 Um, but back then, people were more like, "What the fuck, Paul?" Oh, I what? agree. Yeah, everyone was like, "What are you doing, dude?" <laughs> yeah. Peter sang ballads before this, so you yeah. kind of knew that. And he didn't have the hard rock, and the hardest thing he ever did was Black Diamond. So it wouldn't be that surprising. And that's my opinion. No, I you're right, because be- like- 
you're right because before this song no no paul didn't sound like this on any kiss albums which which makes that story from the guy playing the piano doug katsaros yep you know more relevant like i don't know how to fucking do this type of music yeah and somehow that that ass influenced him to do that kind of sappy shit obviously he got a lot better at it as time went on yeah but you ready to move on yep all right song number uh eight Oh, another killer song with a, oh, just, it, it rips when it kicks into gear. Just, uh, you know, Paul just kind of just wailing on this. Just a real kick-ass rock song. Maybe the most kick-ass rock song on the whole album, just in terms of vibe. The guitars are just ripping. And every time I hear this song, I always think of Phantom of the Park because in the in the European version, when they called it Kiss with Attack of the Phantoms, they had solo solo album music instead of the cartoon music this is this is in it and every time i hear this i think of the movie the song's got a killer solo in the middle got a, one of my favorite things it's got one of those awesome pick slides at the end when he's just saying loving chains um just killer song I, i'll say it again another song could have been a big big ass kiss hit yeah paul and jeff glicksman produced this one written by paul stanley paul played the guitar this is the one that has uh steve lacy playing lead guitar Yes. For some reason, Bob was unavailable that day when they were L.A. So Bob was the only one from the band that was played in the New York and the L.A. band. He's the only one back and forth. Everybody else, he had his L.A. band. He had his New York band. Eric yep. Nelson played bass. Craig Cramp played the drums. This is a very Kiss-like song. Yeah. Nice riff. Good low vocals. Good all around. And it grew on me. Yeah. And I do have a more of a sentimental feeling to it because of the movie. Yep. It's, it's a very good song. Yeah. It's a um, ripper of a song. It's a, it's awesome. Ready to say our goodbyes on the last track. Let's do it.
So a fitting finale to the album that is Goodbye. Another another great, great rocker. One of the coolest bass lines in a song. It's got it's got like we like we like we said, it's got the biddly biddly biddly. Yeah, one time I was going, yeah, I was doing my thing going like wookly wookly, right? Jones they're going scooby doo ba doo zoo doo And Ringo's over there going do ba doo so ba doo Yeah, and George is going super doo poop 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 and I go back and I'm going rubber see doop doo doop right And John's going super doo super doo and Ringo's over there going Yeah And that's how we came out with most of the White album. It's got the you know it's it's got that bass line. It's like, woo, woo. If you pay attention and listen to it, you put like headphones on or something, that bass line is just killer. But the one thing I will say about this, literally, and this is saying a lot, some of the laziest, worst lyrics oh. in the entire Kiss catalog. People wonder about the things that we've got. It seems so little, but we know it's a lot. Okay. Okay. Ain't it funny how we win, but we lose? We're given prizes that we don't get to use. Okay. He just was trying to find, he went into the rhyme machine to try to find shit. No, I think he was trying to be deep. He was just being, throwing one thing in the other. You think you're winning, but you're losing. But you like, he's just trying to throw things out there. I think those lyrics are better than 90% of the kids' lyrics. No, stop it. No way, dude. That being said, the song. Do you know how many people write lyrics and they think they're smart and we all overanalyze them like oh he must be meaning this or perhaps he was talking about this no he just thought he would seem smart if he wrote it like this right i like the lyrics i mean dude it's kiss go to the market and and get some meat and then tell me some fucking lyrics are bad i mean brilliant lyrics Ah, uh, jeez. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, produced by Paul and Jeff Glixman. Written by Paul Stanley. Paul played the guitar. Bob the lead. Eric Nelson played the bass. Craig Cramp played the drums. Uh, Paul needed one more song. I believe it was the last song. So he, he for the album, he told those guys to leave, go back, go have some dinner, and come back in a couple hours. He came back and he had goodbye. Yeah, you know why he had it? Because he had it originally when he had it called "Keep Me Waiting." And I'm looking for other places when I was doing my research on this. Like, where is it? They don't state it on much the obvious, but this is keep me waiting from the box set one that we talked about. You can see you can see the roots of it. Yeah. That's a way better than keep me waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a better song. I love this song. I've I've talked about it. I've put it on uh, stuff for the um, different episodes and comp and uh lists that we've done. It's a great way to end an album, but it also gets back to you got nine tracks. Paul did Jeff Glixman's and Jeff Glixman did goodbye. They did um, loving chains. They did uh, it's all right. And they also did take me away. When we start loading up the tracks uh, and, and listing them, excuse me, uh, I think it'll be quite interesting. Yeah. Um, but this is a great way to end this album. It's fitting. I thought it would be a great way to end um, a concert in some sense. And he did play this uh, when he went on his solo tour for a while. Goodbye. Oh, yeah, totally. It's a, yeah, it's a great, great song. And just just a little rant for a second. I, I, I know it's not going to happen because they got Tommy and Eric with them. But I wish they would throw like 
a song on, you know, I wish maybe Gene do radioactive and Paul do want something from here. Just, I don't know. I just wish we had a chance to hear some of these songs live, but it's let's go to the rankings. Let's go to the okay. rankings. And when we go to the rankings, I want to finish that thought you were saying. Go ahead. You're, All right, you're go ready ahead. to do this one? I'll go first this time. Okay. Nine songs on here. Uh, my number nine song is quite obviously Hold Me, Touch Me. Think of me when we're apart. That's also my number nine. Yes. This was also on our uh, smashes, thrashes, and shit songs for me. I had this. Yes. And, yep. um, and it's extremely wimpy. It's yep. just fucking brutal. Um, but after that, number eight, I, I'm, and I'm going to preface everything by saying after this, I like everything. So number eight is ain't quite right. Number eight for me is move on. Number seven for me is move on. Number seven for me is ain't quite right. Now, another part of my list that I got to mention from here on up, I think everything's fucking awesome. Absolutely agree. Right. I think there's a difference. Yep. I think from seven down and number one for me was easy. Maybe seven and eight, I could bounce them around a little bit. In the middle, I could move them anywhere. And me I'm not too. really sure. Me too. But I know that these were in it. And I think these six songs are fucking awesome. Yep. Number six, Take Me Away. That's also my number six. Number five, Wouldn't You Like to Know Me? My number five is goodbye. But these could all be interchangeable. You could ask me tomorrow and I could switch them up. Exactly. They're just so, they're just so good. Number four for me is love and chains. That's also my number four. Number three for me is tonight you belong to me. My number three is wouldn't you like to know me? Number two for me is goodbye. Two for me is it's all right. Number one for me, not a fucking doubt, is it's all right. Yep. And number one for me, not a doubt, is tonight you belong to me. That's that's the apps. That was easy. Number one. The rest was number one and number nine were easy. I I still like ain't quite right and move on. But the middle mm-hmm. of my list, the middle of my list could switch around depending on my mood. But yeah, that, that's what I got. I could switch goodbye tonight. You belong to me. Love and change. Wouldn't you like to know me? Take me away anytime. Yep. Yeah. And I like move on. Ain't quite right. Eh. Uh, hold me. I can't stand, but that's what makes this so fucking amazing. And so when we look at this list again, Paul, I got to admit your produced tracks. I like less than the tracks you produce with your co-producer. Uh, maybe I mean yeah I don't know the whole look the whole album hold me touch me is a throwaway we agree on that but it brings me back to something I said at the very beginning of the episode is that to me it's not even this is by far the best solo album by far I mean Ace has some good songs some 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 amazing songs I like Peter's for what it is, and I like Gene's for what it is in places. But 
If you if you if you're giving me the choice of one solo album, it's not even a second thought that it's Paul's album without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll get to that, but it's not really it's not it hasn't become like cliché to talk about this as being the best. Never. It's it, it isn't. Nope. Um, you know, I can say that um Honestly, if I'm stuck and I need to go somewhere and I need to only bring one solo album, yeah, I'm most likely grabbing this. I don't want to give too much away because that's me. But, you know, I, for me, how can you not say this is one of their better albums that they've ever done? Oh, agreed. Agreed. Yep. Right? Right. I mean, yep. it's just, to me, it's it, it, Paul is... On like with his confidence, it's just I don't I I don't know. Um, I, I find this thing to be fantastic. After we do this, Tom, we usually go to another thing, and that is yes. we rank these with all the albums we've done so far and so, album covers. Correct. So the first yep. thing we're going to do is album covers. We've reviewed Kiss, Dress to Kill, Rock and Roll Over, Gene Simmons. From Kiss, Unmasked, Animalized, Hot in the Shade, Psycho Circus. Tom, your list is Rock and Roll Over, Gene Simmons, Dressed to Kill, Kiss, Unmasked, Psycho Circus, Hot in the Shade, Animalized. Where do you rank Paul Stanley solo album cover? Oh, God, it's so iconic. Um, you want me to go first? I'll go first. I don't have a problem. Rock and Go roll first. over, rock and roll over. Gene Simmons, Dress to Kill, Kiss, Psycho Circus, Unmasked, Hot in the Shade, Animalized. For me, the first four mean you have an order. Yes. After Kiss, I put Psycho Circus, Unmasked, Hot in the Shade. Right underneath Kiss, I am putting Paul Stanley's solo album. It's not the same as Gene Simmons. It's yeah. not. It doesn't have that little drip of blood there. Uh, and yeah. I know I'm childish. It just that Gene Simmons album has been on more things. The Paul album is not as iconic to me as the first solo album. It's better than Psycho Circus. No, I totally agree. I was going to put it right there behind the behind the Kiss uh, debut. Yep. Really? So yep. you want to go the same spot as I put it, right? Correct. Right underneath yep. the debut album. Yep. All right. So. The albums that we have ranked. Okay. I will um I will go first again. Give me one second. I'm just gonna switch over to album rankings and let's look. Album rank list. My list of the albums we've done so far in <clears throat> order is Rock and Roll Over, Kiss, Dress to Kill, Hot in the Shade, Animalize, Cycle Circus, Gene Simmons. From Kiss, Unmasked. Where do I put Paul Stanley's solo album? Ugh. 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 I am putting Paul Stanley's solo album above Hot in the Shade. Does it knock down Dress to Kill? That's the thing for me. Ugh. Um. I just listened. I just listened to it, so it's kind of hard. I'm gonna knock it down. I'm gonna do it. I'm going to rock and roll over the debut album, 
then Paul Stanley solo album, then Dress to Kill. And I'm going to get what more shit wrong with you. What the more fuck is wrong with you for this? Well, I love I love Paul's album, but yeah, but you know where I have Dress to Kill. Obviously, I love all these albums. I know. But Dress to Kill is not the same for me on I those know. albums. I don't have it in the top six. It's for me, it's probably it could be the lowest of the six. Okay. That's where I think of Paul's album. Okay. okay. That's what I think about. Yep. Dress to Kill also has fucking horrible anything for my baby. Oh, so for me, that song. that's just well, it's better than fucking hold me, touch me, but it does have a dud on it. Now okay. for you, you've had Dress to Kill, Kiss, Rock and Roll Over, Unmasked, Hot in the Shade, Gene Simmons from Kiss, Animalize, Cycle Circus. Where are you this going? Is, this is easy for me. Really? Um, yeah, this is e- this is actually easy for me. Um, it's oh, let it's me get go- in there before you say oh. it. Before you yeah, say yeah. it. Let yes. me think where you, where you would put it. Okay. okay. For me, I would think you put this right underneath Hot in the Shade. No, higher. Really? Yeah. Underneath Unmasked. Higher. Wow. Underneath Rock and Roll Over. Correct. It'll oh. be, it'll go, it'll, it's, it'll go, yep. I, I know how much you love Unmasked. I'm shocked. I love Unmasked, but the Paul Stanley solo album is just... I I yeah I can't. It's going to take a lot to move that top three. That top three so, is not going to move for a while. Okay, so you have Dress to Kill, Kiss, Rock and Roll Over, Paul Stanley, Unmasked, Hot in the Shade, Gene Simmons, Animalized, Psycho Circus. I have Rock and Roll Over, Kiss, Paul Stanley solo album, Dress to Kill, Hot in the Shade, Animalized, Psycho Circus, Gene Simmons, Unmasked. Remember, Paul Stanley gave my album a six out of five. Now that that being said, I could I, we could finish recording and I could go listen to Animalize before any of these albums on my list. Yeah. You know, it just depends on what you know what what, what mood you're in. Fatigue too gets into it. I have not listened to Paul Stanley's as much as I've listened to the others, and I could be regretting tomorrow. Fuck! Did I really put it above Dress to Kill? <laughs> yeah, but for now, it's a great, it's a great I'm great album. That's how high, yeah, going on our limb. We're not fucking foot rubbers here. We don't just sit there and go, oh, well, the masters say that I have to like Alive as the greatest album of all time. No, we will no. pick our stuff that we like. And, you know, I'm not saying that you guys, the fans, will pick this. That's what I think. So this was a fun album review, buddy. Love it. Fucking Love it. fun. Love it. Um, yep. All right. What we do next is go to questions. Do you have? Do you have one? I do, and this comes from a fan favorite on Twitter. Save rock and metal. Okay. He says, "What do you think rock bands are going to do that are losing out on income during this pandemic?" Then he also adds at the end, "Love the bonus episodes." Please do Motley Crue, Shout at the Devil, or Ozzy, No Rest for the Wicked. Shout at the Devil? Possibly. If we're doing Ozzy and we do No Rest for the Wicked, put a fucking bullet in my head. If we waste an Ozzy out of that of all his albums. 
But hold on, though, before we get to his question. Remember, we do like to occasionally pick polarizing albums for the bonus reviews. It's not so. the polarizing, but he, Jesus Christ, he's got so many other better ones. No, of it's course. Not, it's, it's, it's not very polarizing. It's just not as good. Right, right. Um, but anyway, so, so his question, what do you think bands, what, what can bands do during this? They'll start looking to Kiss and be like, how the fuck were they doing it with the merchandise? Exactly. And every band will start being like Kiss shit and kissing their yep. ass. And Gene will be like, I told you so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be, I think it'll be merchandise. And um, I, as far as I know, I think there's some bands out there that are starting to maybe charge, you know, five bucks or something for a live stream. I don't know. I don't know, but I think merchandise is the way to go. Um, specialized merchandise, Kiss. They did a really cool T-shirt. You know, it's, it was like the Stay at Home Tour 2020, yeah. and it had like instead of like concert dates on the back, it said like you know Stay Home, whatever. And that money was going to the charity for the crew, kind of like the face mask things. So I think it's going to have to be a combination of merchandising, and if they want to start getting into doing any. Um, I don't know if bands are going to want to start charging for live streams. I know that bands are doing, I know Metallica is doing some different things, maybe not full concerts, but it's going to have to be a combination of live streaming and merchandise. I'll give you a good example of it. So kiss doesn't need to do it. They can do a charity thing for their, for their crew. Yeah. Metallica doesn't need to do it. Smaller people like smaller groups and, you know, new upstart uh, bands. How do they do if they can't perform? Their albums aren't selling. No one's buying the T-shirt. So what do they do? So they start performing, doing performances online. Um, so because uh, of our fellow guest and friend of the show, Joey Quesadilla. Casada. Um, I follow Paulie Z. Um from zo2 and stuff so he does a lot of he's got because he always played the paul stanley in the kiss in the kiss group that he was in with with um with joey so of course he's doing some like cooking show that he does and he talks about music dinner and roll and rock and rolls or something he calls it i don't know and i follow it and he talks about it like that you know for guys like him you know he needs to he needs to support his family how does he do it so he put a lot, he put on like you know PayPal thing or Venmo thing or a, uh what do you call it what's the other one for podcasters that we have Patreon. we haven't done it Patreon and things like that and people contributed he said he made a lot more money than he expected and he yep. was you know very gracious very appreciative of it and he hate to do it because he's like but I'm going to perform for you I don't want I don't he's like I'm not doing this for charity I'm not saying like with a fucking handout in my you know my my hat in my hand playing for you. I will perform for you. And it's yeah. like, and I appreciate if you can contribute and people yep. have been. And so I think people will be doing something like that. So I thought that I tipped my hat to the guy uh, and God bless him. I thought that was pretty smart and, and he's pretty humble about it. And you know, why should he be like, you know, good, 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 good for him. You know, absolutely. No, I agree. No, I agree. But yeah. bands are going to have to be get creative um, with 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 not just themselves, but like their their crew, their staff, et cetera, et cetera. So, but I think merchandise is the way it is is going to be for a while. Yeah. But thank you yep. for the question. Save rock and metal, and thanks for uh, listening and following us on social media. <clears throat> and uh, thank you for the question. Yeah. Where can they find us? 
We are on all the socials, like we just said, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, you can email us, shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Um, we're part of the awesome Pantheon podcast network. Um, we're on all the platforms that you could ever imagine. We're on all of them. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Pandora, iHeartRadio, you name it. <clears throat> and don't forget to check out our buddy Ed over at Click Tea Shop for some cool Shout It Out Loudcast gear and awesome Kiss-inspired gear. So um, give Ed a look. Uh, order online, and uh, you might be able to get some discounts. He does some promotions every once in a while. So check out Click Tea Shop and uh, give Ed a look. Yeah, the you know, and the best we always appreciate are those five star child reviews. Star. Um, we had a couple this week. We actually had. Um, in the meantime, the emails are, are our favorite. We love getting the emails, especially about episodes when we do about album reviews. We love to hear your feedback. What's your favorite song? What's your favorite track? What's your least favorite? Um, how much you people disagree with what I picked, because that's probably going to be the number one thing. Um, and, you know, tell us why you don't or why you do agree with us. Um, but in the meantime, we love the reviews. Go on Podchaser, give us one of those five-star child reviews. Go on iTunes, give us one of those five-star child reviews. Um, we've had a, cute, a few of them recently. Uh, one of them recently is we got a guy, John76. Hey, guys, I really enjoy the podcast and your weekly banter with each other. I also love the fact that you mix up your format with album reviews, interviews, drafts, as well as doing bonus episodes about other bands. The Soundgarden episode was the first I really ever thought about or listened to anything they've done. So it was really interesting and informative. One bit of feedback I have for your format is that you use sound effects and sound clips. As they've gotten more prevalent in later episodes, they often feel very forced and taken away from the pacing of the conversation. If you eased up or did away with them, I feel the episodes would flow a lot better. Just my two cents. Otherwise, all around great show. You do, huh? Very proud of you. That's very nice. Insert jerky boys comment <laughs> right here. Um, John, thanks for the feedback. Yeah, I, John, I love you. getting feedback like this because it tells me that uh, you guys are listening and you're paying attention and you, you have an interest in, uh, in what we're doing. So I appreciate it. Um, me and Tom have feedback with ourselves all the time about this kind of stuff. We ask our fellow podcasters, what do they think and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I've had people tell me they want more of the um, extra clips. I've had people tell me, just like you, yeah, it's too much. Um, for me, I think there's a, a fine line. Perhaps I do some a, a little extra on some episodes that I need to cut back. And sometimes I should probably put some more in some other clips. You know, it, it varies. One thing I want to make clear. We're not comedians, professional comedians. This is me and Tom doing our show. And I will admit, I'm the one that does all the editing in the clips. So 99% of this is me thinking of stupid things when I'm sitting there scrolling through audacity and putting stuff in and listening to the shit and trying to amuse myself. But the other major part of this is I want to make my partner laugh. I don't <laughs> tell him what I'm putting in. Nope. So 
these are like a lot of the stuff and you've heard if you've heard us from the beginning a lot of these are private jokes many of you guys now over time has gotten to learn some of our private jokes and gotten to know our sense of humor and listen to it so when me and tommy if i say we're going to do something on youtube what is tommy usually going to say back to me you do you do yeah where the fuck is that and what's wrong with him does he have a tick or something what the fuck is that what does that mean it's something we stole from the jerky boys who used to laugh and do and with the mom from the naked fucking beach and go you do and i think it's funny i want him to laugh so when i edit this i put the clip in he doesn't even know i'm doing it so should i cut back on it maybe but you know what i do this for fun this is why we have the podcast and you know, I'm not doing this because I'm going to lose a corporate sponsor on NBC. Oh, no, we dropped in the ratings. We do this to have fun. And right. if I can make my partner laugh and he doesn't know about it, and I pumped in the different strokes theme uh, to the, on the last episode <laughs> out of nowhere and it makes him laugh, I enjoy it. I'm not going to lie to you. So I appreciate the feedback. Um, I'll take it into account. Tom, you want to add something? No, I, we always appreciate the feedback and, you know, I, I, we love, look, we, we love the clips. We have, we have insane senses of humor. We're pop culture fanatics. I mean, you, if you've listened to us, Zeus and I say one thing and we know right off the bat where it's going to go. And we, I can, we can predict what sound clip is going to be edited <laughs> in, into the thing. Now, whether or not you think that Zeus has turned into the Devereaux. Devereaux. <laughs> of the of the of the podcast here, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know. Again, we appreciate feedback. And Zeus and I, we talk about feedback amongst ourselves, and like he said, our friends and family and whatever. So, thank you for that, and we will take it into consideration. Insert sound clip here. It's my house. You know what it is, and if you don't like it, you get the fuck out. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck I pay the motherfucking bills in this motherfucker. And hey, kiss my ass if you don't like it. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? Believe me, the less the sound clips, the faster I can get these things done and the less work. So I like that you sent that and I appreciate the feedback. Tom, you got another one? We got another one. Um, this says... The Ultimate Kiss Fan Podcast. And it's from someone that says Eric C with a question mark. Hmm. This podcast is just what the Dr. Love ordered. Tom and Zeus are so down to earth and honest that it makes me wonder if they really are from Boston. Ha ha. It's the opposite of some of the other stuffy Kiss podcasts out there. This is two guys that make jokes at themselves and everyone else while still giving you amazing topics and kiss info each and every week. I highly recommend this for all kiss fans, especially when they have the handsome Joey Casada as one of their guests. Oh, now that makes sense. Now we know who wrote that one. Thank you, guys. Thank you, John. Thank you, Joey, for doing that. Much appreciated. Absolutely. And if you guys would like to, please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Pod, um, Podchaser, and give us one of those five-star child reviews. <laughs> We'd appreciate it. Famous last words? I know you're leaving. Going away.
and I'm going out of my head. Well, go on and leave me. What can I say? You don't hear a word that I'll say. Ooh, your favorite song on the track on this album. Love Love it. it. Uh, It's great. So goodbye. (laughs) It's only for now. Because I'm coming back. I swear it somehow. Beautiful. Tom, thank you. Kiss Army, thank you. Zeus, everybody, thank you guys, as always, for listening. Uh, Let us know what you think of this album, what songs are great. Do you like Hold Me, Touch Me? Tell us, uh, and we'll laugh at you if you do say that you do. But uh, no, anyways, we love you guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys soon. Stay safe. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.